You're recording the podcast in your van? Oh, yeah. That's uh, the most soundproof room I have when you have two toddlers and it's 9 o'clock at night. Is it down by a river? No, it's not by the river, but we did flood here last month, so... That would have bring that one down. Jeez. Remember that time your basement flooded? That was great. The Stagger Podcast. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. I am JD Smith. And I'm Derek Smith. What's happening, y'all? Well, I'll tell you what's happening, man. This week we had not one, not two, not three. Technically, we had five races at Pocono, if you include the Arca race, but four of NASCAR's top series, well, four races with the top series. You get the point. There were a lot of races at Pocono. I can't even keep it all straight. So I watched every lap of every race at Pocono. And we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about how Kyle Busch is not happy right now. And I think he's wrong to not be happy. Well, he's not. He can not be happy, but he's whining about something he does not need to whine about. Go figure. We'll talk about that. And uh, maybe a little discussion about which series in NASCAR is the most competitive and most fun to watch right now. Plus, I believe, Derek, you're going to give us a little insight on the 4th of July weekend that is ahead of us. Oh, yeah. And there is an orgy of horsepower awaiting us this weekend because you got NASCAR. You got the Xfinity. You got Cup Series. You got Xfinity Series. You got IndyCar back on the track at Indianapolis, which is going to be a blast. Joining the, uh, the NASCAR boys. And you also get the return of IMSA sports car racing in 2020 is on the track in Daytona Indian Daytona on a July 4th weekend that's what we live for here at stagger that's what we're all about oh yeah throwing some fireworks that you might purchase legally in one state but not allowed to shoot them off in the state that you purchased them but you do it anyways because you're an American and it's just going to be a great weekend all right let's talk about the first race that happened at Pocono on Saturday with the cup guys because we didn't get the truck racing on Saturday because, and this is going to come as a complete shock to everyone I know, it rained at Pocono, which they decided to do a double header, not because of COVID-19, but because of the fact that they wanted to just kind of have a one-trip deal at Pocono, make it a little unique, not make them have to come back like in a month like they used to do where you you know, you race there in June and then you race there again three, four weeks later in, in July. July. Yeah. So they moved on from that. And so that was even before COVID. They said, we're going to do a double header. So let's talk about the first race that they had uh, at Pocono. And surprisingly, they got uh, both of the cup races in. They got the truck race in and they got the Xfinity race in too. three of those races on Sunday. We will talk about the triple header in a second. But first, let's talk about Saturday's race where Kevin Harvick broke his streak 38 races he had not he had raced at Pocono and had not won that's shocking to me and then he of course now has that done and dusted and he's won at Pocono yeah he was a runner-up I believe over a handful of times and uh, a dominating performance yesterday as he ran away with the trophy and almost got another one today yeah I thought he was uh he was pretty good man he was uh real solid obviously both days 
I kind of thought actually, buddy of mine, uh, Josh, who is uh, one of our people who follows us and one of my buddies over at uh, Stagger Nation. Uh, I've known Josh for a while, but if you want to join Stagger Nation, go to Facebook. You can check us out there. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Grow in those two communities as well, at Stagger Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Sign up, be a part of it. Let's have some fun. But Josh brought up the point uh, with all that, that he thought Kevin Harvick might just kind of take, and a lot of this was talked about on the broadcast, that a lot of the big dogs might say, let's just blow past Saturday. Let's use it as a test session. Sunday's the day. And so they they thought Sunday might be the day you see the guys like Kevin Harvick and Kyle mm-hmm. Bush and some of the other better drivers with the bigger programs say we're just we don't even care about the other you know the Saturday race. Let's just focus on Sunday. Well, Kevin Harvick then blew that out of the water with winning on Saturday. So you thought, oh man, I wonder what he's going to have for us in store on Sunday. Uh, more on that in a second. Let's also talk about the second place in that race was Denny Hamlin. So he made a late charge, couldn't get the W, but. He was coming. I thought he was going to catch Kevin Harvick and thought we might have a nice little finish there. But, uh, yeah, Denny Hamlin, he he was strong, obviously, both days. Um, what did you think of Denny's performance so far? Uh, in, in yeah. Not just not just in that race, but so far in 2020. I, I think the it's funny, you know, the debate that he and LaJoy and a lot of NASCAR fans had a couple weeks ago got lost in all the, the recent events that took place at Talladega. But it is funny that that Denny Hamlin is a very, very talented driver and not to take away from the debate of driver versus equipment. But if you look down to his teammate, Kyle Busch, he's not having such a great run nowadays. And it, it comes down to a lot more driver than, and, and your team or your, your car, I should say, it's the team behind the car. It was really good to see him uh, get out there and post two top fives back to back and really just put a stamp on the idea that he is a good driver. He does have a good team. But man, he can wheel it because if you look down uh, down the sheet, you know there's guys at JGR that are not performing up to speed, and Denny's not one of them. Denny's a, a guy who maybe a couple years ago people were thinking, I don't know, he might be the odd man out. It's time to get a new young gun. Uh, but he has definitely asserted himself as the leader of that organization, and it proved it today at Pocono. Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot to unpack from this. So I want to stay on the Saturday race though, real quick. A couple of the things I took away from it: Eric Almirola found a top five. He also found one on Sunday. That's two top fives for Eric Almirola in one weekend. Oh yeah, that's pretty he's good. good. He's a good driver. I know he's like, a good driver, a good... but that's that was a really nice weekend for him. That I don't know, I don't know if you told me like one guy's going to be in the top five. Well, he wasn't the only one, right? Harvick was, Hamlin was, but if you told me there's going to be a third guy that's going to be in the top five, you know, both days, Almirola would not have been my pick. There would have probably been five or ten other drivers I would have picked to do that before him. Uh, but good for him, man. He's he's having a solid run here that's helping him get back into the fight a little yeah. bit. He's really one of those drivers that's sneaky good. I mean, I, I don't know the equation or the you know the, the comparison in, in another sport, uh, but Almirola is one of those people that you'll just be watching a race, and next thing you know, he's in the top 10 or he's in the top five, and you're like, wait a second. This isn't Daytona or Talladega. How did he get up there? And for for you know for everything that's happened, he hasn't put, put it together in a, in a win. But pulling two top fives together at a place like Pocono, that could translate this weekend in Indianapolis. Other guys that finished in the top 10 that we don't usually see, Michael McDowell, who you talk about underrated drivers, man. That guy is not in the best equipment every week. He hasn't been for most of his career in NASCAR, and yet he finds himself, you know, a handful of times a year with some solid runs, top 10s, K 
occasionally yeah. gets a gets a little bounce going his way or a little luck going his way at a super speedway, and you might see him even in the top five. Uh, Chris Boucher, Chris, what, what, huh? What, Chris, Chris Boucher, <laughs> Chris Boucher had a Boucher? top ten as well. So, uh, good job for yeah. Chris Boucher. Easy for me to say. Boucher, uh, yeah, great. Hats off to those guys. I know at Roush they've had a lot of they've had a rough year with Ryan Newman almost dying at Daytona. Uh, it, it's crazy to remember that that happened this like just like four months ago. Yeah, uh, that was dude, a thing you're not that we kidding, were all man. sitting there. That seems like that was seven years ago with everything with it, co- it coronavirus really, and everything else it, shutting down. It seems yeah. like a lifetime ago almost. <laughs> uh, but Chris Busher and the guys at Roush Fenway, I think they need that top 10 to show that they do. You know, Chris Busher coming over from another team, basically doing a trade with JGR and Stenthouse going over there. Uh, it's just how the seats shook out. Um, you're looking at a guy who's wanting to prove himself, who, who, had performance and had success there in the Xfinity series. And he's wanted to prove that at the cup level. And I, I do think the story is not written for, or the story is not being done written for Jack Roush and Roush Fenway. I think they will have a comeback. I think next year is going to be a year for them to reset as it would be for a lot of teams just to kind of with a new car, uh, which is actually, I think believe getting delayed a little bit longer, but the next few years are going to be really good. Uh, I believe for Roush, I think they'll have some power coming back with that team, but uh, a, a finish like this goes a long way. And uh, I'm curious to see what they'll do. Yeah, I am too. And I think that it's uh, it's it's top tens like that that are going to remind people they're still a force to be reckoned with. They got to stack up more of them. But yeah, good good start there on Saturday for them. Yeah, Kevin Harvick actually had a statement I forgot to bring up when I was talking about him winning, where he said, "I'm not doing any more burnouts." I'm paraphrasing. Not doing any more burnouts so the fans get back because it's not really fun celebrating. We want the fans back. We need the fans back. It's been too long. I didn't get the vibe he was saying it completely like, this is BS, why don't they let these fans come back? I didn't get that vibe, but I got the vibe more that he's just like everyone else, ready to get back to normal. And yeah. to whatever level we can do that, as you you look at the news, who knows where we're headed in the next six months. I wish and I pray that a vaccine gets here as quick as possible. But um, yeah, Kevin Harvick saying that he won't do any more celebrations if he wins till the fans get there. I thought that was uh, a pretty, in its own way, a little touching tribute to how much the fans mean to him. I think the thing with Harvick is that he's doing this in, in a way of just a solidarity with the fans. He wants the fans back. And if he wins at Indianapolis next week, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see him, you know, maybe roll a backwards lap, you know, until he gets to the start finish line. And to me, it's a cool sign to the fans like, hey, there would be a burnout here, but we're holding it back for the fans. And it could just, you know, being a cynic, it could be, well, maybe he doesn't think he's going to win that much until September, October. So <laughs> he's just like, hey, just let you know uh, I'm not going to burn this down because uh, we lucked out of this one. But he showed us today getting a second a second place uh, finish. He didn't luck into the win yesterday. He had a car and the team was ready to rock and roll on those big tracks. So I don't see anything different. Harvey is going to get a top five unless uh, attrition or, or some accident takes place on on next weekend. I believe he'll be walking out of Indy with the, with the top five finish. Pocono impressed me in a couple different ways that there was a lot of strategy playing out and we'll get to that with the second race, the second cup race, the, the two feeder series race, the truck and the Xfinity, they just wrecked each other all, all, all over the place. So <laughs> they didn't really have a ch- chance to play out those strategies as well uh, as the, as the cup guys did. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this weekend and I was kind of sitting here going like, this might be a, a, a weekend where I just kind of just tune out, but um, this was good. This was yeah. good. So yeah, I'm ready to move on. Talk about the truck race. Yeah, well, I'll tell you on that note, I love Pocono. I defend Pocono. A lot of people hate Pocono because they say it's boring racing. And 
what you saw in uh, in some of the Cup Series, but definitely in the Xfinity Series, and even in the truck race a little bit towards the end, you saw the potential and the reason why I like Pocono. Because if you can get the package right with the right balance of aero versus power to the rear wheels, where it makes these cars a little fishy and unstable, you can't just hammer it coming off the corner, there's strategy at play, I, they they nailed the package. Let's let's talk about the Xfinity race because I want to say that package in that race. If you didn't get to watch it, I watched every lap. They nailed the package for this race because these cars were not tame. They were hard to drive, and the best part, you know what they did in the Cup Series, Derek, with the the gears. Yeah. They put in the gear now, the rear end gear, uh, so that you don't really have a need to shift from like third to fourth like they used to because they used to like shift all the time dale jr famously missed a shift on the front stretch and about ripped the transmission out of his car because guys were doing that they were they were shifting coming off of three they were shifting coming out of one and those type of things i think that that allows guys to have different approaches but beyond that you also have just you know if, if a car is too much power and not enough downforce on the back it doesn't matter if you have the biggest engine in the world or the most horsepower. If you can't get it down to the wheels, you can't get it to stick, that's where it becomes a driver's race. Yeah. And the Xfinity Series had a ton of that. Um, there was a lot of wrecking in that race. I mean, you know, I guess we could start off. Brandon Jones actually won the truck race, and he put on a great show there. <laughs> he goes out in the first lap of the Xfinity race and just wipes out, and he wasn't the only one. Some really good cars ended up, you know, getting uh, ended up getting just into the fence uh you had chase briscoe who was out in the lead looked like he was gonna just walk away with it he spun out because he ran over something and cut a tire didn't hit anything but spun out and so (laughs) that looked like okay well he's probably done he went in and got you know tires put on it got back out there and 20 minutes later he was back in the lead again and he and uh ross chastain had a great battle for the lead it lasted probably five or eight laps they were just door to door, and eventually Ross Chastain was in front, and Chase Briscoe just ever so slightly in three, in the middle of three. Just if he hit him with his bumper, it was the lightest tap of a bumper I've ever seen. But it was that kind of bumper, that kind of push where you don't know if it's arrow push or if it's just he actually got to his bumper. But either way, he didn't wreck him. He didn't punt him. He didn't, you know, just drive him into the wall. He drove down, got the position, and nudged his nose in there and made Ross Chastain make it stick, and he couldn't. And I think that's that was a brilliant move by Chase Briscoe after what he had done. So some great yeah, driving so there. They put, they put on a show. It was fantastic. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is you said it in a way that Robert Duvall, as Harry Hyde said, he didn't bump you, he didn't wreck you, he rubbed you. And Robinson is racing. Yeah, that was about it. Right? Although, yeah. I have to tell you, I, I must confess, Days of Thunder, I can't stand that movie. I can't you shut stand. your mouth. I you can't shut your it. mouth right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about when we're you at You know eight. what? You want me off this podcast? I'll leave. I'll leave. <laughs> I'm get, I'm opening the van door. Actually, I'm just opening it because it's forgot really hot. Here. Yeah, I, forget. Yeah, I didn't really think hot. about that. You're recording in a van. That's got to be hot. Here's all I'll say <laughs> about Days of Thunder. When... One of the most iconic lines is, I'm dropping the hammer, Harry. And he's like, don't you do it. And then he's like shifts nine times at Daytona. It's like, all right, let's try to remember. Like they don't shift at Daytona. Like, what are you doing? I just, 
I've always hated that aspect where it was like, hey, you know that extra gear I've got? I'm going to drop into that gear now and go past everybody. It's like, well, why didn't we think of that to start? I know it's a movie. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to take it seriously, but can you at least get some of the racing right? I mean, never mind that they yeah. like they beat the hell out of these cars and then like no one behind them ever just is like, oh, wow, they're like wrecking each other for two straight laps. I'm just going to drive right past them because I'm only a second <laughs> behind. I'm just going to and go right. Nope. That never happens either. So, by the way, we should tell people we are going to put something out for those of you who are new to NASCAR. And I should have said this at the start of the show. We're putting something out for those of you who are new to NASCAR. We are going to do a NASCAR 101. We're calling it Stagger University. It may be more like Stagger Community College, but we're calling it Stagger University, where we are going to do some educational things about racing if you're new. And it's not just going to be about NASCAR. It'll be about some of the other series, too, as those come along. Might do it on a guy like Richard Petty or someone like that, maybe if you don't know the history. So we're going to do those starting to come out in the next few weeks. But we're going to work on NASCAR 101 and hopefully get that out by the end of the week. So if you know someone who does just has just started getting into NASCAR or maybe you need a little refresher like why do they have competition cautions we're going to cover that in NASCAR 101 look for that to come soon hopefully in the next week or so and Um, you know maybe we might even get a cool uh guy or mechanic or guy or gal mechanic crew chief something like that to kind of explain some of the more because I mean honestly once we get past the tires and the uh the windshield of the car the technical stuff man uh I don't know too much I'm just going to be honest I'm just a fan of racing I am the tech, technical expert of this show. I did my eighth grade science fair project on roof flaps with a wind tunnel. When you remember well, that with a leaf blower. Well, I one time put some shocks on a, uh, a 410 sprint car uh, that I was sponsoring one night, but that doesn't make me a mechanic. Someone I changed who, to rear end gear in a 410 sprint car. So, oh, ho, 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 look at that. We're just, yeah. uh, we're out here just measuring our, uh, our capacity to change shocks and springs and rear end gears. Look at that. Yeah, that's right. We're measuring our rear end gears. That's what we're doing. All right. So let's get back to the actual racing. Yep. Um, Yep. So we talked about the Xfinity race. That was pretty great. We didn't mention this. Justin Haley, in one of the dumbest moves I've seen in a while for, you know, for a racer, and he'll learn this was stupid. Um, He got a two-lap penalty for spinning Riley Herbst in the 18 car, the Monster Energy car, they were coming off the corner and coming off a three. It looked like Herbst kind of, you know, I mean, got a little air, put, loaded it up on his, uh, you know, back spoiler and then caused him to get a little loose. But no, didn't touch him or anything. And as Herbst went by him, they're on the straightaway. And Justin Haley just turned left and put him right in the wall, like turned left into his, you know, right rear quarter panel and just shot him right up into the wall and so they pulled they pulled him into the pits and gave him a two lap penalty, uh, mm. which I have for reckless driving. And they said him and his crew chief to the trailer, you know, after the race. Right. But that's not something you see very often. I mean, we have seen no. times where we have said, "Boy, that's not right." They shouldn't have let him get away with that. Like uh, Noah Gregson earlier this year, I believe at Vegas. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, something that I think you should have got. I mean, I think he did go to the trailer afterwards. At least Dale Jr. had a good talking to him. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's. It's definitely something odd to see a driver of his potential uh, to just take a guy out. Justin Haley, who do you think you are wrecking someone just because they passed you? Austin Dillon? Come on. You can't get away with that unless you're the unless you're the ace. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, he's not the, the ace, ace anymore. That's his kid. Hey, his kid is ace. He's just is, 
He's Austin That's Dillon. Right. He's uh, hey, well, at least Dillon. Justin Haley and Austin Dillon, they both have one thing in common. You know what that is? I don't know. They both won at Daytona in a cup car. Oh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> thanks for reminding me of that. Fire Motorsports. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? They won. Can't take it away from them. Uh, let's go to the truck race real quick. Now, that was a true wreck fest. Let me, let me put this into perspective if you didn't get to see it. Truck race. Lap number one. First corner. Wreck. They did not make the corner. The whole field did not get out of the first turn before an accident happened. So they scoop all that up. And that actually that collected Matt Crafton. First lap. Hmm. He's just sitting there minding his own business. And Austin Wayne self got loose, bumped into him, and I, or bumped into another car, whatever. And, and he and Crafton, not Austin Wayne self, but the car he hit, that car shot up into Crafton. And they both... The truck. Yeah, they were both done. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. sorry. I said they wrecked the truck. You're right. Not a car. Thank yeah. you. Hey, so, hey, I do have to say this, though. I think the truck series, at least the truck series, because they do have the most amount of inexperience in the field. They should have a 15 minute, almost like a warm up session where you take out like, you know, maybe rows one through five, you know, time them out to where they're basically just running a, a shakedown lap. So there's those guys can get a couple, you know, two laps at speed and they roll back into the back of the field. And basically before the race, you almost have like in Formula One, you have the formation lap. Yeah. Something a little bit faster than a formation lap, but not a qualifying lap. Just give them, these guys a chance to go into turn think, one at I speed. Think, I think, understand the I think grip 15 level. or 20 minutes wouldn't be bad. Just have them go yeah. out there, scuff a set of tires, run yep. like four or five laps. But they've got 20 minutes if they want to run like two laps and put another set on and then go run two laps. Yeah. They they can't run I, more I, than I five think, or something like that. But just get yeah, them out there. I yeah, you're even, right. I, yeah, I just even think just, I mean, Pocono might be like two laps total. But, you know, other places, three to five laps and just... Let them get a good, you know, let the motor breathe a little bit and they can top off with fuel so they don't lose anything there. Um, if they want to use that set of tires as one of their tires, they can scuff it and use it towards the end of the race or in the middle of the race. Uh, you know, it kind of adds a strategy element, but it also, too, helps us avoid um, the the pileups that have that have occurred at Pocono. Well, um, but I, I'm an advocate for the younger series, the Arcas, the, the truck series, uh, the people that typically have less experience in them, minus Matt Crafton and Johnny Sauter. I say go ahead and give these guys 15, 20 minutes. So the race, they got that first wreck cleaned up. They yeah. went to whatever lap it was, you know, six or seven. They ran again. They got through turn one. And I can't remember if it was Michael Waltrip or who it was on the broadcast that was like, well, they fine. All right. They got through turn one. Here we go. And they're on the backstretch. And I'm thinking they still have two more corners. And sure enough, corner number two. <laughs> Boom, another wreck. And this time, Austin Wade Self did get uh, his day ended. So they didn't complete a green flag lap uh, on that one. They ended up oh. running some caution laps again and all that stuff. They had a red flag. They eventually got it all cleaned up. They get back to racing and they said, all right, well, there's six laps to go in the stage here at the green flag. And I said, <laughs> what the hell? They ran all caution laps. And then they basically took one green flag lap and had five to go to get to the green white checker and i'm like you got to be kidding me that one was I, a lot of people were ripping that race and they should however the ending i encourage you go back and watch that because brandon jones and sheldon creed sheldon creed pulled off a move and you saw this Derek. it was yeah he 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 made he a the deuce he, that's what that's what vince welch, <laughs> vince, said. Welch. The deuce. vince welch said that yes man he also Nothing called it better than when you split the deuce. Vince Welsh also called it Kokomo at one point today. So, you know, whatever. It was it was in his head. That's fine. Sheldon Creed, though, made a baller move to get into the tunnel turn and made it stick. And 
he he looked like he was going to go on to win the race, but then Brandon Jones fought back and got him and, and ended up winning it. Sheldon Creed finished third. Austin Hill got second. It was a fantastic finish. I just wish we didn't have set through like 18 wrecks to get it. But uh, Sheldon Creed's a guy, if you haven't been following him too much, or I mean, you maybe know of him a little bit, but uh, he's got a really cool story. Off-road racer, stadium super trucks. He did that for a while. Two-time series champion in that discipline. He then moved over to stock car racing back uh, well, about three, four years ago. And then he won the ARCA Racing Series. He is nicknamed the Showstopper, which I absolutely love. You may remember him because he was the guy who wrecked at Homestead and hit all those barrels that held <laughs> the sand in them, and they had to yeah. clean all that up. Um, but that that shouldn't define this guy. He can he can legitimately drive, and uh, yeah, he he's fun to watch, man. I'm I'm excited to see him kind of go for his career. GMS is a good program, uh, and so he's he's obviously been in it and, and has some uh, s- some real talent. So I'm gonna be keeping my eye on old Sheldon Creed there because. Uh, yeah, he did. A, he did a really good job in this race, and I th- and he was strong all day. It wasn't just that. Oh yeah, pass. He was up there leading for a large portion portion of the race, but uh, couldn't yeah, get it, it done. It would have been great to see him win. I mean, it, it's not like it's not like you don't celebrate guys that get a push out to a lead and, and get to be forceful and stuff. Uh, but Sheldon Creed having a different path than most drivers in NASCAR, it would have been good to see him get a W and and kind of you know notch that belt not get a notch on his belt for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, especially a track like Pocono. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the second cup race. We have got Denny Hamlin winning that one. Uh, that would be win number 41 for him for the cup series. And also that ties him for the lead all time with Jeff Gordon for six wins at Pocono. Uh, he was tied with Bill Elliott for five wins at Pocono, but, uh, for second now he's, now he's first Kevin Harvick looked like he was going to catch him. And I got to tell you, I thought, uh, when when Hamlin's strategy was he's gonna have to come in and take fuel and then get back out before Harvick could get around on him with like a thirty second head start. I didn't think you'd be able to do that on that long pit road, but he found a way to do it and take two tires, and they still got him out yeah. ahead of time. And Harvick couldn't catch him. I thought that was that was probably one of the as, as I said, Sheldon Creed had a, threw a baller move in there into the tunnel turn. That was a that was a a big ball call right there. Uh, from the pit box so they made it work they got out in front and you couldn't touch him once he got back out there so yeah Denny Hamlin deserved the win oh yeah he he um I mean gosh you got a 1.5 average finish for the weekend <laughs> that's not that's not too bad there <laughs> him and Harvick. Denny Hamlin well, better than that right because it was one or no Hamlin one did he even, yeah and so Harvick had a one two as well yeah, they each, each came out with basically an average I mean it's average finish of two races they both finished yeah. one two I mean uh, it wouldn't have been hard to to pick that going into the week, but I mean Harvick, he's had so many runner up finishes. He would have definitely been a shoe in for a top five. But I mean Hamlin, I mean he just dominated the weekend. I I feel and, and could have had a chance to to get a victory yesterday, but uh, but Harvick got a chance to to you know ra- erase that that almost uh, that blight on his record. I would say of being zero for thirty eight at that track. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was one for thirty nine, I believe. So. One pretty, for 40, something like that. Yeah, pretty um, good weekend there for both those guys. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's, let's real quick talk about Kyle Busch because Denny Hamlin has, like you just said, gone out and put up the numbers and you know he won at Homestead. He's, he's clearly been on a little bit of a tear here. Kevin Harvick's been pretty good too. Kyle Busch is in as good, if not better equipment than any of those guys, right? I mean, no one would argue that Kyle Busch has the equipment he has the organization that Denny Hamlin has behind him. 
got everything you want. So Kyle Busch got wrecked by uh, Ryan Blaney. And mm. that was not necessarily because of equipment or anything else. They were they came up on a lap car from what it appears. And Kyle Busch checked up. Blaney couldn't stop it. They were coming out of a turn. And Blaney got to his recorder panel and spun him. And he hit the inside wall. Days over. Crushed in the front of the car. Kyle Busch, after the race, though, had this quote saying, you know, hey, it shows that if we actually ever got back to normal and practiced, you know, we'd probably be pretty good. And it's just <laughs> and that's the thing that Kyle Busch will never get. The people just can't stand about him is it's not because you're not getting practice, Kyle. If it was, then your teammate. You don't hear Denny Hamlin saying that. You don't hear Kevin Harvick saying that. They're just going out there and their teams, not just them, because Kyle Busch is driving his ass off. I'm not saying he isn't. But them and their teams are working as hard as they can, and they're finding answers in their race car, and Kyle Busch is not. And you can't blame that on not having practice. If it was a random guy just winning every week with no real rhyme or reason, then I would understand that. But you can look down the road and kind of see, like, these are the cars that have kind of come into form over the last five, ten weeks. And you can see the ones that have dropped off quite a bit. And that tells you some things. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think Kyle Busch really has a leg to stand on here. I mean, it is right for him as far as like if that is his his bread and butters that they show up at the track and the camaraderie that he has with his crew chief is that they just get out there and start yeah you know hacking away at a adjustment to dial in his car. But this is 2020. This is NASCAR Cup racing in 2020, and you show up to the track ready to roll off. If Go Fast Racing and Corey LaJoy can be in the top 20 most of the day, yeah. there's something to be said about Kyle Busch and his crew chief not being able to, to be up in the top 10 uh, without practice. So, I mean, not no offense to Go Fast Racing well, and, they, and Corey and, LaJoy, and, but that just goes to show even an underfunded team can show up ready to rock and roll because the technology's there. You just got to be able to implement it correctly. Yeah. So and, and Kyle as Bush much as an adjustment this is for Kyle Busch, he's got to get with the program if he wants to compete this year and win a championship, which he could. He very well could turn it on and, and win a championship, but his team's got to get get a car to him that's really – and he's got to have the mental mindset, which is another thing that's a stumbling block for him, to be able to say and go in, hey, why might roll off here with owner's points or whatever or draw going in at, at the top five position? But if we're not right, I got to – you know keep chipping away and keep pushing to get my car back in the top 10. If I drop the 20th, like he did him, I think Martinsville, he, he dropped like a, like a bag, bag of rocks. Yeah. Uh, Denny Hamlin did the same thing, you know? Um, so there's just a way to, you got to have that mindset to kind of chip away and stay positive and get after it. And a guy like Kyle Bush, it's hard for him. He's so competitive to, to stay in it. If he's, you know, if he senses he's even a, a fraction out and starts to slip and fade, he's going to get frustrated as opposed to saying, all right, guys, let's dig in and make the adjustments. I'm going to do what I can, not speed on pit road, all those different things, right? He's going to he's gonna be in a spot where he might just you know self-implode. Like His basic point was, because they were running well today, but his point was, we had all day yesterday to figure this out, and so today, look at how good we are. We can actually, you know, we can get, yeah. we can get a lot better because we, we figured some things out. We were running up in the top five, and that's fine, but you're not going to have double headers to go get this, man. You, by the way, does Joe Gibbs not have the best simulator or one of the best simulators in all of NASCAR? Do they not have the thickest book of data on any of these tracks, on any of the setups? They share all their info. I mean, it's it's you can go walk down the hall and ask Denny Hamlin, what are you doing? You don't even have to walk right. down the hall. You don't have to walk down the hall. 
Yeah. It's all, it's just yeah, given but, to you. It's delivered every day. I respect that Kyle Bush doesn't want his car set up like Denny Hamlin. I respect that Denny Hamlin might get a car and say, I can make this work. We can tweak it throughout the day. Kyle Bush might say, I need 20 laps in practice to feel my car out before I start making assumptions. And that you don't usually have in a race. That's tough to figure out. But yeah, he needs to get on with it because his teammate is making him look bad right now. Kyle Bush is still, he's ninth in the points. I mean, he's not going to miss the playoffs. He's fine, but looks bad when your teammate is out there just, you know, taking it to everybody and you're sitting there saying, well, I wish I had practice. Yeah, I bet you did. So, do all, so does he. So does everybody. You know, all these guys wish they did, but that's the hand you're dealt. Everything's an adjustment right now. So to whine yeah. about it just makes no sense to me. And I know that's his thing, man. He, he always it's his pop off valve. That's that's all it really is. It, his pop off valve is is saying what is on his mind. We all know the famous gif of him like leaving the, the media center at Bristol going, oh, well, look at that. You know, like and has the, the eye roll that's been pretty famous yes, throughout right. the years. Uh, that's just Kyle Bush. Typical Kyle Bush is that he's never going to hide how he feels. He's super competitive. That's what makes him a champion. That's also what makes him really hard to get along with or really hard to watch when he's running 15th or 20th or Rex out. Um, so yeah. it's a love hate thing. Do I respect Kyle Bush as a driver? Absolutely. The dude can wheel. He's one of the best drivers that's ever graced NASCAR. And, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, what? But that's just, to me, that when you when you see his career at finality, he's going to be one of the best drivers that's ever put on a suit and hopped in a race car. I think that Kyle Bush could, he could be, are you going to take the steering wheel out of Kyle Bush? If he can still get a competitive ride at 50, he's going to be in there riding E-NASCAR, not E-NASCAR, but, but uh, maybe fuel-free NASCAR, whatever they're going to be having in 20 or 30 years. He'll still be right, right up there. He'll be our generation's red farmer. That's what my prediction is for Kyle Bush. He's not going to stop. He has his own truck team. He'll be out there when he finally retires. Like, you know how uh, Junior runs his one race or two races a year? And and God bless him for doing that. Kyle Bush is going to run his 25 races or whatever on, is on the truck schedule. I don't see him ever stopping until he gets, maybe when Brexton gets up to a point where he's going to be running and, and, and taking over the Bush empire. Maybe he'll take a back seat and be like a Rick Hendrick at that point. Uh, he's going to be wanting to rent, run for a long time. So just by the fact that he could stack up maybe five to eight more years than Jeff Gordon had, I could see Kyle Busch getting to that number, but it's going to take a lot of years in a competitive ride. And I just don't know as time goes on, if he's going to keep holding those rides, especially yeah. with his demeanor when things don't go well. So Kyle Busch is 35 years old. He is ninth all time with 56 wins. The mm. next guy on the list is 20 away, and that's old Dale Earnhardt Sr. And then after, so so Kyle, so let's just, I mean, let's just put you in here. He is past Lee Petty, Ned Jarrett, Junior Johnson, Herb Thomas, Buck Baker. All those guys are in the Hall of Fame. And he's about to come up on, if he can get to these lists of wins, he's going to come up on Dale Earnhardt, Cale Yarbrough, Jimmy Johnson, Darrell Waltrip. That's those are the guys that he'll be next in line if he can get to 20 or 30 more wins in his career. The guy is a Hall of Famer, no doubt. He is one of yeah. the best drivers to ever drive. Doesn't mean anybody has to like him. <laughs> I mean, and, and people obviously do. He's a very popular driver, but there are a lot of people that enjoy going to the races and saying, anybody but Kyle. And that's true. I can totally yeah. understand that. And in fact, I join them usually in that, in that cry. Hey, man, but, he wrecked today. I cheered. I laughed. I was like, <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you're whining about everything, and there you're wrecked. And then, sure enough, I knew it was like this interview is going to be great because he's going to whine, and he sure did. Didn't disappoint. So, and, and I think go. everybody would recognize this. Even Kyle has said this. NASCAR needs a villain. 
and he plays the role very, very well. And the thing that I love about Kyle Busch, and I, and I can't say enough about him, is off the track. I mean, I, I've okay, not to not to humble brag, but I have met him once or twice, and he is a he is a fine gentleman off the track, a great dad to his his to his child, and does a lot of great charity work, as as do a lot of drivers, right? Um, but we're talking about it on the track, and he can be a complete be a complete you know fool on the track in good and bad ways. And it's a, it's just a joy to watch. There are popcorn mo- moments with Kyle Busch and I think the sport is better for it. I would say he's top five, most important drivers in NASCAR right now. Well, all the stats for a lot of reasons. Yes. Cause he gives for you a lot someone, of reasons. He gives you someone to hate and for the people who yeah. love him, they, they defend him to the end. And you know, who is next in line to take over that mantle in five or 10 years, whenever Kyle Busch retires, who's that chase Elliott. That's I'm telling you, man, the people who defend Chase Elliott, it's like that wall jumped out and hit him. It's not his fault. He smacked the wall. Joey Logano should have known he was going to slip up three lanes and smack him at Bristol. Like <laughs> the, the way some people defend Chase Elliott, because I don't dislike Chase Elliott. I think he's a great driver. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy him. I've, I've been rooting for him, especially because I was a Bill Elliott fan growing up. But the way some of his fans defend him can turn people off to him and say, you know what? I hope he loses just because there's so many people out there that hope he doesn't lose. And that's yeah. kind of another thing that Kyle Bush has right now. There are so many people that root for him that everybody else is like, all right, fine. I hope he loses just because I know it'll make you mad. And so you're right. There's lots of reasons that he is good for the sport. Hey, do you want me to do my fake, but very limited chase Elliott? Go ahead. Oh man. I don't know. Just uh, listen to that's it. it. That's listen all you have to, to say. I like that. That's real. Oh, man. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, thanks, uh, NASCAR. Oh, man. I don't know. Just, I mean, that's like that's if, pretty if, good. You were to scrub, if you were to scrub his interview, his whole demeanor, when he gets stuck, it's, oh, man. I don't know. Um, we tried to get to Bubba Wallace, uh, <laughs> come with me and Ryan Blaney to Disney World, but it just didn't work out. I mean, I don't know what he was mad about. All but, right. See, I'm going to help you right there. Less is more with your Chase Elliott. The one sentence yeah. is perfect. We don't need yeah. more than that. That the one sentence though is, "Oh man, I don't know." Like that's uh, that's pretty. I, you did it better. I, I blame I can't do this. It. I blame this on Saucy Brewworks Habitual Colshale. Oh yeah, Habitual. That's good stuff. Zero percent alcohol. That's what I blame this on. Chase Elliott, though. Speaking of him, he got a top five finish in race number two of the Cup weekend. Uh, how about uh, Clint Boyer? Clint Boyer and Alex Bowman getting after it. Showman. I loved it, man. I love the two of them slamming doors for the eighth spot to finish out the weekend. I'm sure those two guys, after driving all those miles the last couple of days and sitting through weather delays and tricky triangle, all the BS that it's it's a tough place to drive. A lot of guys don't like racing there. And then they see coming off the third turn for the last time. They got a drag race with another guy who's sitting right with them for that final spot, even though it's eighth. The fact the two of them, I could see the frustration. You could just picture Boyer especially, but also Bowman just like, oh, hell no, you are not going to to be able to get past me. And they were just slamming the hell out of each other. And I I don't even Wait. care. I don't even care that Wait. Denny Hamlin was like three seconds ahead of Harvick. Who cares? Wait. That was fun. I love that. Yeah. Now, I, I've been told a lot the last few weeks that NASCAR was better back in the 80s when guys would win by a lap or by 30 seconds. <laughs> right. You mean to tell me this is good side-by-side racing that we're having in 2020? It happens a lot more in the Xfinity Series. And that's oh, where yep. 
<laughs> I do. Th- I do think right now the package the Xfinity Series has is better than what Cup has for a lot of tracks, and it's better than what the trucks have. Well, and they have better drivers, but I think it's better. The Xfinity Series right now has the b- the most amount of that door to door battling it out for laps and laps at a time. You get that some in the Cup, you get that some in the trucks, but Xfinity Series they at least had the best package of Pocono. Maybe they don't have it everywhere else, but they for sure had the best package of Pocono, and that was some fun racing. But yeah, man, door to door racing. Who would have thought? Get people. If you can get people out to the track, they would come to watch that if they could actually buy tickets. Uh, let's talk about Matt De Benedetto gets a top six. That was a good run for him. Uh, Wood Brothers finishing the top ten. Pocono and Pocono was not a good track for him. Uh, statistically, he was not the best driver there. But the Wood Brothers have stepped up his game, and I think he stepped up the Wood Brothers game this year. It's been a very, very good mix. As far as like new driver combos, he's got to be at the top of the list for me as far as new drivers that have fit in well with their team and and done the most you know improvement on the previous year's driver. No offense to Paul Menard. I think he had one foot in the boardroom already uh, looking to leave NASCAR and just having a joyride his yeah. last year last year. But, yeah, they've really stepped up with him. Yeah. Um, a couple guys who had terrible uh, races on – Race number two, uh, you had Ryan Blaney finish 22nd. That was not great for him. And Joey Logano finished in 24th. So, uh, yeah, bad weekend all around for those two guys, or at least on the second day. Takeaways for me from Pocono. Hamlin and Harvick, still a couple of the best drivers out there. Kyle Busch is too, but he needs to stop whining and get after it. Xfinity's probably going to give you the best door-to-door racing. And the Truck Series needs practice. Yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Bubba Wallace, who finished 20th, he had a good run going and just, you know, pit strategy ended up with the top 20. So that's a pretty good run for that team. That's about where they, you know, would you would expect them to finish. Uh, He had on that. Who was it that wrecked? I want to say, was it Ryan Priest maybe that wrecked? But Mm -hmm. whoever it was, it came down across the track and he had to take evasive action, did Bubba Wallace. And he got down so low, he hit one of those like... uh, drainage ditch grates that they have and i mean he went four wheels off the ground and then they cut to his uh they cut to his microphone and he's just like whoo man like it was it was the type of relief you would expect when you you know almost wrecked and then you somehow pulled it out and didn't didn't end up uh you know put it on the on the hauler so that was uh, a good little move by him i loved it and it wasn't that long ago too that bubba wallace and rpm was finishing 28th yeah 25th yeah 30th even um and so they've really the fact that they were in the top 10 position until a few laps to go in the race i mean had they caught a, had they caught a caution had things been different uh they might have been sitting there with two or four tires being able to drive up and get a top 10 finish legitimately um hats off to the rpm crew i think they're doing a phenomenal job yeah it was a good weekend of racing i enjoyed it and I'm ready for the next big weekend of racing. Why don't you tell us about, Derek, what's coming up this oh. weekend at, uh, well, at a few of the, our favorite tracks, Indianapolis and Daytona. What better way to celebrate the birth of America than by, as you said before, an orgy of horsepower yeah. of uh, basically the top, I would say that, I mean, is it fair to say the top three series in 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 the nation as far as motorsports goes uh, i know our dirt fans might might argue with us on that but you have indycar nascar and imsa all going off 
with the with the green flag this weekend, weather weather permitting. I don't even want to say that, but it is 2020 and it's the year of weather somehow. Grand Prix is July 4th at 12 uh, noon, and then you have the Xfinity uh, race at July 4th at 3 p.m. Uh, so you get a double header there at the track. And both of them on but the road course. At both of them on the road course. And if you have not gotten enough road course action, you can turn over to Daytona at 6 p.m. and catch the IMSA boys racing. The boys and girls over over at IMSA racing down at Daytona. So not only did you get the 24 hours of Daytona, you get this nice, beautiful Corona special. Uh, which I, if they didn't have Corona sp- sponsor this one, they missed the boat. Because I mean, this is the one. You know, they always talk about silver linings. Mm-hmm. Here's a silver lining. You get another Daytona race. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, we weren't I mean, expecting that. So that's sad awesome. to say. Sad to say, you hate the conditions of which you have it, but at least you have it. So yeah. that's good. Uh, and then come on um, July fifth, four o'clock again. NASCAR going with the later starts, which is a whole topic unto itself. Some people love them. Some people hate them. It causes us to be sitting here at ten thirty three Eastern, finishing up a podcast on a race day, <laughs> but. Uh, you have a July 5th uh, on Sunday, the kickoff at 4 p.m. Uh, where the green flag drops sometime around 4.20. Uh, so be sure to get your DraftKings picks in by 4 if you want to make some money. Yeah, and I think, so, it's, I think it's safe to say, too, if you saw guys that were pretty fast at Pocono this weekend, yeah. um, you're going to have a good idea of who's going to be <laughs> fast at Indy for the Brickyard because they're very similar tracks. They set up very nicely, especially for, you know, some of these teams, especially the the back of the pack guys where they have cars, I'm sure, that are dedicated for Indy, but they're not that far off from what they're doing for Pocono. Um, mm. So that's going to allow some guys who love. So, you know, you saw Kevin Harvick running well. You obviously saw Denny Hamlin running well. Funny you should mention that. Guess who are the top two drivers for average finishes of the last two years in Indianapolis? These are those two. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Kevin Harvick <laughs> has one win, two top fives, and obviously the two top tens. Uh, Denny Hamlin, I read that wrong. Uh, Denny Hamlin has uh, two races. He has a top five and a top ten. Highest finishing position being third place with an, an eighth place being his lowest finish. I mean, hell, the, the tunnel turn at Pocono is the Indy turn. Like, that's, yeah. that's the turn they modeled after the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The other two were... Uh, Trenton, which I don't even think that track yeah. is around anymore, and then uh, Milwaukee Mile is the, yep. the third turn. So yeah, I mean, the, if if you saw cars running well at Indy or running well at Pocono, you could pretty much think that's going to be the guys to look for, uh, especially some of the back of the pack guys, right? So like a yeah. like a you know you saw some of these cars that were able to to hold their position and run pretty well up front uh, in some of those maybe like. You know, guys like uh, uh, Corey LaJoy, who was able to hang up there for a while, or Bubba Wallace was able to hang up there for a while. You know, you might look at Michael McDowell. That'd be a guy I think you might want to take a peek at. So, Daryl Wallace Jr. has a top five in the last two years there at Indianapolis. uh, And he has a 38th place finish. So, some mechanical and a a failure on that part. So, I think Daryl Wallace is a good sleeper this weekend. Also, a good sleeper in the top 15 of all ranked drivers the last few years, which includes Jamie McMurray so and Paul Menard, so take them out of the equation. Top 13 driver is going to be Ty Dillon. He's won here in the Xfinity race. Ty Dillon has come in. He's got a 13th place finish and a 20th place finish. So if he gets drawn in like the, I don't know, the 29th, 30th range, um, that's one of those deals where I would probably go with Ty Dillon in my lineup. He might not be, now with all the vast listeners that we have, 
we might, you know, bump the number up here uh, for, Ty, for Ty Dillon, but he'll probably be low owned. So I would go with him. Another driver here that's been really making some good moves uh, as a late at Indianapolis is Clint Boyer. He's got two top fives. Uh, hmm. So this is a, this is a race. That I think his team can feel like they, they can win it. Um, so I would see him stepping up big time. And, and if you really want to, you really want to roll the dice sitting there in the top 10 of drivers, uh, finishes with an 11th and an 18th place finish the last two years is Daniel Suarez. Now, I don't know if that 96 car is going to have near as much horsepower and be able to, to, to compete. But if you are literally looking for a diamond in the rough with maybe some weather or some fuel mileage play at play, this is Daniel Suarez is one of his better tracks on the series. So I wouldn't put it past them to maybe turn some heads, get a top 20. And again, it all goes back to how many positions can they gain, right? Uh, so to me, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, they're going to get a lot of play this week, but they're also going to be starting up near the front of the field. Uh, you have to watch the speed charts. One of your favorite things to do is to look and see that that two-second gap close to a 1.75 gap to a one-and-a-half-second gap, and you see that guy coming, right? And you yeah. look at the fuel mileage, you realize, oh, one of them's got to go to pit road, and there's 20 laps to go. What's going to happen? Most people might be like, oh, Hamlin's guard in the bag. But all it takes is for one driver to slip up, hit the wall, which like we talked about can happen at any in Indianapolis at any time. And you've got a you've got an interesting scenario on your hands with with pit road strategy and everything like that. Um, I'm trying to take a look here and see if there's any other uh, one. One of note, Paul Menard actually had uh, a ninth place finish and a tenth place finish. You're like, dude, he's not in the field. I get it. But he's also a previous winner here in, in, in another car. But who is driving his car now? Matt Benedetto, who's been on a really hot we streak. He just had a top was, 10 finish at Pocono, yeah. like we just talked and he, about. And, and Pocono's not one of his better tracks. And guess what? Neither is Indianapolis, according to the statistics. But I think that Matt Benedetto, he's one of those guys, if he's at $7,000 on DraftKings, I would absolutely pull the trigger on him. Because uh, I think he's going to have a chance to get up there and run with that Ford Power. They're going to have the motor behind him. It's just a matter of if he can get the right spots and have the right strategy. But if you're looking for more locks, Harvick, Hamlin, Boyer, uh, Logano's done well here with the second and 13th place finish. And I'd round it off with Ryan, the Rocket Man Newman, two top tens the last two years. That was, that's a very good pick by you. I enjoy that. We'll have a lot to talk about next week, too. I'm opening the door. It's hot in here. <laughs> couple reminders right. for you before we get out of here. Coming up soon, Stagger University. Look for those episodes. NASCAR 101. If you're new to the sport, you maybe just stumbled across us. Uh, those will be episodes that I think you'll like to check out. Might be good to just tell people about them if you are someone who knows a decent amount about the sport, but you've got friends or family who are asking you questions. Say, hey, I'm glad to answer them, but these guys spent a bunch of hours talking about it, and here you go. They put it out for you. Uh, that'll be coming this week. Make sure, of course, you follow us on Twitter and or Instagram at Stagger Podcast. Stagger Nation on Facebook. Go find it. You can jump in there. And as always, subscribe to the podcast. You're listening to this. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. And if I can ask you for one more thing, leave us a review. We like the reviews. The reviews are great. Helps yep. us be able to get found by more racing fans. And that's what we're trying to do is build a community of racers and racing fans that can uh, hopefully, when we're not social distancing, get out to a track have some get-togethers, drink some beers, oh, yeah. and uh, get staggered in the stands while we watch some cars with some stagger on the track. That is it for us. Hope you all have a tremendous Independence Day weekend. Stay safe, and as always, stay staggered.